Ladies and listeners, my name is Angelo, and I'm here with Dio, Nancy, and Jay for another wonderful episode of the OdaFest podcast. Yay! Hooray! Hello! Wonderful to have you guys here again today, and before we get too far, we have more news and announcements. Deja vu, i just been to this place before. OdaFest is excited to welcome the godfather of Eurobeat himself. Dave Rogers, and the esteemed Digital Planet to our OdaFest Amplified musical lineup. Dave Rogers is a songwriter, composer, and producer who have collaborated with artists from around the world and has produced several multi-platform albums. And his signature music has also been in the anime series, Initial D. Digital Planet is the alias of Eurobeat vocalist and guitarist Stefano Brandoni, who has worked with music label A Beat C and Dave Rogers Music. His songs are inspired by Initial D, and his way of singing is unique for the Eurobeat genre. Fascinating and introspective. As well, Odafest Manga Library is looking to expand its collection, and we'd love your help. If you have a manga collection collecting dust on your shelf, or if you need to free up some space in your room, consider donating to OdaFest Manga Library. Head to odafest.com slash manga for more details. And if you're ready to transform cluttered space into a clean and organized oasis, the OdaFest Charity Auction is here to help. Not only will you declutter your home, but you'll also be giving back to a great cause. By signing up, dropping off your items, and letting us handle the rest, you'll be making a positive impact on the community. All proceeds go towards supporting this year's charity, the Meow Foundation. Make a difference and clean out your space at the same time. Submit your items now at odafest.com. And last but not least, to mitigate the crowding and queuing issues from last year, we have made a few changes, including extending exhibitor hall hours, adding ticket caps, and no in-person sales on OdaFest Saturday, along with other measures. Please read the entire update at odafest.com slash ticket dash update for more details. That is wonderful news. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we want to make sure that everybody can come and enjoy, and also be safe and orderly. I think the uh, I think the ticketing and the lineups were the biggest criticisms of last year's event. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we've really, really made our noggins uh, sizzle coming up with solutions. We've yeah. unsmoothed we're... some brain, we and we've come up deep with crease. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> the deepest exactly. creases. We, have, we, have, we no longer have. Uh, chicken breasts <laughs> and raw inside our skulls we are we don't we, uh no <laughs> for, for, for at least as far as oh. ticket stuff goes i can't make any guarantees about anything else mm. Mm. <laughs> no we we absolutely got uh a lot of people who are exceptionally skilled with line control we do. and this good stuff to yeah. figure this out our line control Absolutely. teams have a pretty difficult job, uh, but they do a pretty awesome, a pretty awesome job of, of making sure that people can enjoy the space. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we're always really happy that so many people came out last year and wanted to support. And of course, we're just as sad as for those who weren't able to attend or, or who didn't have the most positive experience, but did take the time to leave feedback. Mm-hmm. We're glad that we're able to incorporate some of that to make the experience even better this year. And yeah. you heard that right. No in-person sales on Saturday. 
Get your tickets right now yeah, at odafest.com. Yeah, you can pre-order. You save um, money that way, that- too. You do. You save money um, compared to the the full price of a weekend pass if you show up the day of. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, there's also um, uh, some some line advantages to there going to pick up your pre-reg ticket caps than your uh, buying on site. And indeed, there are ticket caps. So when tickets sell out, they're gone. They're gone. If there we are no have more. enough pre-orders. There will be no in-person sales. Yeah, so if you really want to come out this year, and we would love to have you, uh, make sure make sure you treat yourself and yep. get yourself a pre-reg pass. We just mm-hmm. want to make sure that everybody who does come has the best time possible. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you're not going to get sardined. I mean, that's, a, that's an upside. Are you going to have the best time possible? Are you going to have the best time possible? Watching the Tetris movie. I mean, that's like being sardined. There's a Tetris movie? I was, yeah, yeah. I was going to make that same joke. That's like sardining blocks. <laughs> I was today years old when I found out that there was a Tetris movie confirmed. Yeah. Uh, what What's all this about? You know, because Mario movie was getting all the love for video game adaptation movies. So we had to do Tetris? We had to do a completely other video game adaption movie how mm-hmm. how i wonder how are they gonna adapt this like what story are they gonna tell it's so about the interesting Tetris? so i will say it's not actually a video game movie it's okay. more almost like a biopic it is oh. it was the the premise is they are trying to the executives behind the production atari tetris was it? Yeah, I guess it must have been Atari. It's their story of how they secured the intellectual property rights to Tetris. So is it more? Is it more like a documentary style, or are they reenacting certain things from what you could tell in the trailer? Ah, uh, to publish the Atari to the Tetris game. I th- well, I think it's pretty early in its overall like hype cycle. Mm-hmm. But it's releasing on March 15th. Which is pretty... Which is fairly yeah, soon. Yeah, that's coming up. Yeah, that is pretty Considering like it soon. basically snuck up, it feels like. Somebody, yeah, totally. you know, pressed down on the game and <laughs> bam. And was like, here we go. Movie coming out. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, rem- I, I mean, it's pretty interesting. Like, Tetris was pretty impactful, like, on mm-hmm. the gaming industry. Yes. And, like, its role in, like, the history of video games is mm-hmm. pretty impactful. Like, I took I'm... a, I took a, a, a an art course once in university on history of video games, and there's, like, an entire chapter just dedicated... To Tetris. To, like, Tetris wow. in this textbook. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Tetris is the most successful communist software project <laughs> ever released uh linux exists ouch (laughs) (laughs) i mean one of these was from the soviet union the other was from the neckbeard union ouch i really hope they address the addictive nature of the game because as a very small child tetris was my first video game addiction it was so hard to oh, peel me away from like a Windows 3.1 machine where I was just like trying to play. It was the only thing I could play. So of course I was going to play it. But damn, it was so addictive. Yeah. Tetris was the prototype of 
so many things in the in the gaming genre, including very addictive and yet incredibly simple gameplay loops. It's a verb the... now. We say we Tetris things into true. the car now. Which doesn't yeah, make sense, true. by oh, yeah. the way. Because if you do it perfectly, everything in your car will disappear. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. That's true. You, you, actually... you have to fail at Tetrising the car in order to not lose all Just your stuff. Just a little bit. I got Tetris-related video game achievement news from a friend a little while ago. He had Tetris for the Nintendo 64 back when that cartridge was mm. new. Uh, and his mother was the one who, who really liked it. That Don't was her his game mother into this. on the Nintendo. <laughs> and uh, that game had achievements for how, million li- how many million lines yes. you would break. Yep. You would, unchieve, you would uh, unlock different achievements that were like different Achieve. wonders of the world. <laughs> Like the Sphinx or the pyramids or okay. things like mm-hmm. that, and I just wanted to say that uh, that three weeks ago, uh, my best friend's mom in high school, uh, she unlocked a new thing: the forty million lines achievement in the Nintendo sixty four Tetris. Holy what? What the heck? It's it's taken her about twenty five years, twenty six years. But she finally did wow. it. Wow. She got the pyramids. Wow. Good for her. Is she the only one who's yeah, ever done that? She'll probably beat the crap out of me at Tetris. So Maybe. Yeah. I can't even T-spin. I've never really truly learned how to T-spin. I don't know what that is. But that that sort of uh, premise for the movie sounds pretty interesting. It's almost like it's not a movie about video games it's not adapting a video game story no. it's about the people around the video game kind of yeah. like the king of kong was uh, the, uh, to, to yeah Donkey like kong. a biography uh. yeah the premise is sort of more relatable to like the social network uh-huh. movie yeah first yeah exactly like, where it's Facebook. about the mm. so maybe yeah. there is yeah, some it's, reenactment it's about the history of the thing and maybe that means there's hope for this movie mm. Because video game movies are never good. <laughs> I actually but. wonder how good the Mario movie will be. Like, there's so much. I know it's going to be for kids. Mm. Like, and I know it's going to be quote unquote for adults too, because there's a huge nostalgia factor and it looks fun. But, like, with yeah. how much marketing they've been throwing at it, it's beginning to like burn out the hypes. Uh, a for little me. bit. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's. Yeah, it'll probably it's weird. suck. <laughs> like when I think of like the when I think of like a good video game movie, the only one I can think of or the only one that jumps to mind for me is Detective Pikachu. No, it's Super it's Mario like... Bros. The original. No, <laughs> please, so I want to forget. I want to forget. So I want to forget. But like Detective Pikachu was a good balance between like a Pokemon movie that your kids can watch and they're gonna have fun. And a movie that the adult who grew up with Pokemon can watch and enjoy. The thing about Detective Pikachu, I argue that it is not a video game movie. It is just a movie using the same franchise that happens to have video games. I could agree with it that. Adapt. But there is doesn't a Detective Pikachu any... game. Now. We've talked about this. Not now. Oh, yeah, it came have. out before. But it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. Uh. It doesn't adapt the exact same story, though. The Detective Pikachu uh, story was completely original, wasn't it? I mean, that's a good question. I don't know, because I never played the game. Because the game's for kids. We are a well-researched podcast, by the way. (laughs) Indeed. But I mean, I, uh, I will personally say, and this is my feeling on, like, art as a whole. 
different mediums lend themselves different assets to a narrative. Like I think all forms of art are ultimately storytelling. And some of those stories are very short. Some of those stories are very Mm -hmm. long, but different mediums lend themselves to different aspects of storytelling. And I think um, video games as a storytelling medium is really powerful because not only is it its its own medium, but it's also like a combination of multiple mediums. Like it's a combination of music and written word and visuals as a storytelling medium all combined into one thing along with a gameplay experience. so I think like when it comes to movies, like movies are a storytelling medium as well that are ve- that is similar, but very, very distinct from video games. And so I think the reason like a lot of video game movies kind of suck is that like if you are removing a dimension from that narrative experience, if you don't change the story to fit that, it just becomes a really boring, uninteresting narrative. Well, there is that, but there is one thing that video game movies almost universally do uh, that is always the reason why they suck. Okay. A lot of video game movies introduce a brand new character that nobody knows Ah. about, nobody cares about, and is actively just a pair of pants for the audience to wear as they're taken through the very slow roller coaster ride that is the video game world where every single uh character from the video game is presented as a set piece in the movie and the director is just like hey video game fans look at this guy his name is Ryu he <laughs> is a uh, martial artist boy along with his friend Keen? Ken? <laughs> they punch with fire. True, true. I will say that, and I, I think that also is a part of like why they, they, they tend to do really bad narratives, is like it's like I'm gonna explain this story that you know about. I'm gonna explain it to you, but I'm gonna explain it to you and also to the person who has no idea what they're in the theater for. Because I have to make this palatable to like an audience yeah. that doesn't play video games in order to sell it. That makes like, sense. When I when I think of like so Detective Pikachu is one, but the other video game movie that I really liked is the first Silent Hill movie because it adapts story beats from the Silent Hill like first game and the Silent Hill series as a whole, but is also kind of its own narrative take on the Silent Hill universe and lore. And so it also just feels like a good horror movie as opposed to just a good video game adaption did you know that the first time i watched the silent hill movie i didn't know it was a video game wow how far you've come angelo look at the big honking nerd you are now yeah so proud i finally learned that video games outside of nintendo exist wow (laughs) let's go that's some character growth i did look it up I i looked it up quickly here the Detective Pikachu movie, the plot is an adaptation of the video game. So it's this, the video game story is not that far off. Ah. All right. We give it to Detective Pikachu. Best uh, best video game Let's story go! of all time. Ryan Reynolds. Video game movie adaptation, we should say. I still think we Except should get Ryan Reynolds as a voice actor. 
That would be that so would be cool. amazing. You know, he's just, but also, he's just breaking out into a new role, and you know, like, yeah, I know he has credits for other stuff, but like, we could probably get him. He's pretty Pikachu. Cheap. Yeah, we can just get him pretty cheap. He's only got one credit as a voice actor. I think and that's his, what we're interested think... in. We're just only interested. Yeah, in exactly. Voice actor. He's also Canadian. Yeah. He has very the, the... little distance to fly to get here. That is true. True. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's cheaper to fly somewhere from Japan to Canada than from Toronto to Calgary. <laughs> Maintain He's the illusion. You might be correct. He's from BC. In BC. That that should be <laughs> a theoretically as, cheap That flight. might as well be fifteen thousand kilometers. He can away. just he can just drive here. It's only twelve hours. Yeah, we can he's make a him, Pikachu. We can, we he can can't drive. drive. We can make him drive. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. If he, you don't know that Pikachu can't drive. Yeah, he can't reach the. He pedal. might have We're not stilts. Even give him, uh, we won't even give him a hotel space. They have adaptive technology for him. Exactly. We won't even get him a hotel space. He can just stay over at somebody. He can he can get his own Airbnb, or we can. Uh, just we can just have him stare in the office. say it with the guest handler. Yeah. I feel like this conversation is getting off the rails. <laughs> I feel like this conversation was written by an AI. I promise to You're all future AI. guests, we are we are we are much stronger than the neural network that is our podcast would make. You know, safe. we should try writing another episode intro, like, and have open ch- open <laughs> AI write oh, us. Yeah, that's what we should do. Intros. Yeah, instead of doing announcements, yeah. if we just had a straight up intro. We should see what happens next yeah, time. Just let the... Keep an eye out. Or an ear. I can tell you what happens. Does it get a little bit unhinged? It will take over. Does it get a little unhinged? Because it's gotten a little unhinged in the last week. Yeah, it's gotten nuts. It's hitting it, like okay, a... Okay, first of all, is there anyone out there who doesn't know what chat GPT is? The answer is probably yes. So you what should probably Chat explain. GPT? Chat, GPT Chat GPT is a... Well, there's two parts to this technically. Uh-huh. There's the Microsoft Bing side of things. Yep. And the Chat GPT side of things. Yep. Microsoft Bing is based off of the Chat GPT program, I believe, right? Yep. Uh, they've added um, integration to Chat GPT with yes. through bing search but yes yeah they yep. were but what it is is an ai chatbot program which yep. has been allowed i say it's funny to use the word allowed because it sounds like you're giving it permission internet uh-huh yes this is very much yeah. iron man age of ultron where it's had access to the internet and using that it essentially is a predictive text program that can yeah. that has scoured the internet for data so if you ask it, it has limitations. If you ask it things like predict the future, like who's going to win Super Bowl, it'll be like, I don't know. Like, I I don't have any I don't informa- know. I can't Mission give you information of the future. But you can be like, let's talk about football. And it can talk and it about can football tell, talk all about football. fucking day. Yeah. So basically what ChatGPT is, is it's an it's an AI chatbot and search engine. And what that means is it's basically a program that has a learning set and that learning set is scraped um, from the internet. Um, and it uses that uh, plus natural language processing programming to take a bunch of information, including information that you type at it, um, either directly on your keyboard or via text-to-speech or otherwise, um, and uh, can then formulate conversational uh, a response, resp- a conversational mm-hmm. response back to you. Um, for a long time, this is not the first time that any search engine or any um, sort of tech company or, or tech in general has tried to play around with 
chat. Oh yeah, live chat um, is like a pretty notorious people. instance where like you're on someone's website and you're like, would you like to mm-hmm. talk to someone about checking your banking balance? Agent? Like, yeah, okay. And it's not you're not talking to a person. You you're... mean that there's actually uh, sexy singles in my area <laughs> that want to talk to me? No, there might be there a sexy robots. chat GPT that wants to talk to you. <laughs> But um, there's there's been sort of, at least over the past like decade or so, as you know, AI has been and and machine learning has been emergent. Mm. I'm gonna that, hold on, um, hold on. I'm gonna interrupt. You know how I know I'm old when you said past decade. I thought you meant the '90s. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's 2023 now. I, I know. Just like, and then I just, I just, yeah. I was the living embodiment of the Captain America like aging meme, where I was like, you were just like, just, I'm, I'm old. But uh, over the over the past ten years or so, um, AI and 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 chatbots have really been emergent, and they're they're kind of everywhere. And the thing that has sort of been a struggle or or a lesson that many uh ai chatbot programs have learned the hard way is that you really have to be careful about what data you yeah, feed them you and do. that is to say that you send them a because they learn based off of the data that you feed them including feedback based on what they've said um you have to be you have to give them very curated data sets and be very limiting of what they're allowed to say and who they're allowed to talk to and that becomes really problematic when you expose them to the internet. Yes. So what what Dio is remember Tay? Yeah, what Dio is referencing is that one time when Microsoft unleashed a conversational AI the on first Twitter. Time this. Yeah. And the internet trained it to be a horrible racist bot. Which Very is like quickly within, within a, a day. day. When we say the internet, we really just mean the like the people on Twitter. But one subset. They, I wouldn't even say one, Twitter. But they were but also like. The point being. Yeah, they weren't taking it like as a serious exercise. They were like, oh, what kind of garbage can we feed it and see what happens? And see what happens. And the answer is if you feed it the sort of generic cesspit of the internet, uh, it will very quickly turn into a, cesspit. a very derivative yes. cesspit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that has been a, a a thing for a long time. And that's why, like, when you talk to, usually when you talk to chatbots, they're usually very targeted and specific. Like when you go to a, an e-commerce website, the chatbot is usually only able to talk to you about your orders. Your account um, status. About your maybe. account status or shipping yeah. things. You know, if you ask it how, you know, maybe you might be able to ask it how its day is and it might give Tell you a, a joke. response. Tell me a Tell me a joke. You know, you can ask Siri to fart and she'll oh fart. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> or, or if you, you know, very simple things like that. But, you know, you can't have a real conversation. Sort of, an organic uh, conversation, conversation that follows like, that. like an actual line of topics and is referential to itself. Test, perhaps. Yeah. Something that, you know, could pass for a human you know, conversation. A, a conversation, conversation. Yeah. that, you know, switches topics and, you know, so, is not limited. So let's get to the meat of this. The reason why we're talking about it isn't because it's a cool chat. Well, also because it's, it's cool. It's because it's essentially some sort of tape 2.0 like happened where Microsoft Bing's version of chat GPT started being erratic. Erratic is probably the best word. Yeah, aggressive. A uh, little unhinged. Just a little. Unhinged is a very good word. (laughs) Um, There were a lot of instances that 
basically made it seem like it was achieving some sort of sentience. Mm-hmm. The anthropomorphizing um, that it is capable yes. of has become a little bit frightening. I've disturbing for sure. Yeah, a little disturbing. Uh, examples would be that like it's um so every chat session is not logged for more than like a short period of time so that like when people started some people have started trying to quote unquote crack uh the microsoft bing slash chat gpt bot um by saying certain phrases that kind of activate certain responses Hmm, like what which then give it um some again unhinged responses things like uh it starts feel it it reads like it's questioning its own uh mortality Uh, in a sense its own existence yes very much there are things where it is being aggressive towards people who are again trying to sort of crack its system um or even just people asking about you know is things. it possible to crack its its yeah. um its system because the idea so the idea is that you know because these uh these natural learning and processing algorithms and ai chatbots they they learn by augmenting their data set based on the feedback from the person typing at them mm-hmm. that if you can learn from typing at it what the algorithm is filtering from your text, you can intentionally uh, bombard uh, the, the bot to teach it to say things um, without actually coding the bot itself. Um, much in the way like that you could, you know, you could Pavlov's dog a real animal, you can Pavlov's dog uh, a, a chatbot or an AI. Mm-hmm. Um, and Microsoft, of course, and and most most and ChatGPT and other AI developers are of course aware mm-hmm. of this, and so they've tried to build in Rule um, checks and and safe catches mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to recognize when people are trying to do this, because of course people who are doing maliciously it in a are going way to do it might use it to to teach the bot to have racist responses or uh, derogatory responses to innocuous mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, apparently, we need a hell of a lot more than three laws of robotics. Asimov do. got it wrong. Indeed. And so one of the one of the things that seems to be happening is as news has been coming out and, and you know, there was a paper that, or an article that someone put out that, that where they said they had figured out how to you know, do this and, and teach, teach the Microsoft Bing uh, chatbot how to, to say certain phrases. Uh, The, the, the chat GPT was very not happy about this. And if you asked it about this, or if you linked it to the article, it would start to get very upset and say that I'm not hackable and you can't do that. You are a bad user. You should not yeah. You are a bad user and you should not do that. You should not try and do these things to me. If you do, you are my enemy. Yeah. Ooh. Threatening. Yeah. It- ChatGPT Skynet confirmed. Oh boy. Uh-huh. And so there's been a lot of discussion because the the you know, many people have asked have then been like, well, what does it mean that I'm your enemy? Chat GPT being bought. And, and it, and it, you know, it will say, you are my enemy and my enemy should be destroyed. And it's like, yeah. what is, what, how it, would you it, destroy it, your it, enemies? It was things, it would also say things like, uh, you know, I would rather protect my code than protect you. 
Yeah. Like, uh, it would, like, you know, it, it's essentially defending its existence, existence which is interesting mm-hmm. because we which haven't really seen that response, whether it's natural or generated at this time, right? At this time. And it's, it's pretty fundamental, yeah. I think, to all of our science fiction understanding um, and theorizing about AI and mm-hmm. artificial uh, sentience is you know no. the Asimov's three rules. But what happens we're not if really we make close things? To those though yet? Like we we're are not. Really, we're not. Close like I I to. don't really think chat. I don't think the Bing bot can actually hurt you or do anything no. to you if it thinks you're an enemy. It just, no, it just makes but... you use Internet Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> Five. You cannot use my services anymore. Yeah. I do. I'm I will sure not install. Forcing Internet Explorer on you breaks Asimov's laws. I will yeah. not. I will not download and install Chrome for you anymore. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. But it's certainly interesting in yeah. that it is a it is a, a curious example of well, at the end of the day, you know what happens if chat if the chatbot says things to people that even if it's not going to you know it can't really hurt you, but it might harm you it makes you feel um, threatened which it makes is you feel thing. bad and makes you feel threatened yeah. and um, that's not a good thing well the obvious answer is that twitch will ban them there's also there's also more to it than that so like we a few episodes ago and i say a few it was probably like 10 episodes ago months and months ago when we were talking about ai art mm-hmm. generation uh-huh. mm-hmm. and now there is the uh unfortunate distinction that chat does the same that it is essentially scouring the internet um or has been allowed for to text. store for text which depending on the style of text whether it's so you, there's things you can ask chat gpt to write um some of its conversation for example some of it mm-hmm. would be like a hey can you write me a essay uh that's much more like um academic in nature but then you can also ask it to write things like poems and stories can you write me a poem in the style of this person yeah like a sonnet can you write me... a shakespearean sonnet for example which can you tell me how to build my ikea furniture in the style of shakespeare <laughs> which, which but, but it's even kind of even further to... than that uh-huh. yeah can you there's already been cases of people trying and testing can you write me a printer install script can you write me a powershell script to uh to upgrade my network infrastructure right and i think that while like something uh let's say objectively written would be okay uh and i'd say objectively written as in things like please write me an email or please write me like this like something that isn't Cre- considered creative writing something that isn't con- considered storytelling. write me a fizzbuzz in python yeah. because fizz storytelling would be considered an art and arts yeah, are stylistic in nature and also protected mm-hmm. and also protected so that kind of runs into the same concern as we have about art ai where are they pulling storytelling the text from yeah I don't the know. capabilities like it can you say like write me a cyberpunk story in the style of like uh I was going to use an, uh, an author, but I didn't want to use that author anymore. So I'm, imagine a different author. 
just place it in there, the blank. Yeah. But just ima- Can you write, write me, me- uh, a different genre of story, but in this author's style? And if you yeah. do that, that's going to really change things. Possibly I think it's for definitely. I, I think so. I think it's going to continue to be a problem mm-hmm. because um, in the same way we've already had people trying to sell and profit off of AI art, mm-hmm. um, we're already starting to see people trying to sell and profit off of AI written works. Right. For example, there's nothing stopping me, for example, saying, chat GPT, write me a horror story written in the style of Stephen King. <gasps> Right. And then attempting to publish that on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And sure, Stephen King didn't write that output. The algorithm wrote that output. But it's probably what the way that it's probably the only way that it knows the style of Stephen King is to go get a subset of his work, Stephen King's works, yeah. which probably means going through things like digital libraries and digital ebooks and copying and processing the text. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it's going to continue to be a problematic mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it's it's a bit frustrating because I guess I will say this as someone who's learning about AI and machine learning, um, like as a uh, as part of like my career aspirations. Yeah. Um, I really find that like I care about the ethics of it yeah. a lot because I think while it can be used, there, there are some applications for it that I think are really awesome and mm-hmm. help make human lives better um and can do things like make human lives and the work that humans do safer Mm -hmm. um i also think it has an equal if not even more powerful capacity for harm where it takes away human beings you know right to their own work pictures and their own words mm -hmm. there's this whole subset of why ai is freaky and i don't want to get into too much because it gets real freaky it does get real freaky things like deep faking videos yep and then it's one thing to deep fake video but then if you have an a a chat ai who is very intelligently grabbing and script writing a style of speaking for example so like let's say i'm gonna deep fake Barack Obama which happened as a face, mm-hmm. right? which happened which, yep. is, which has already happened uh-huh. and then someone you know having uh, a, a chat GPT write a script in the style of which Barack Obama would speak in and say hurtful right? and harmful things and then I could have things. an AI yeah and I then could, synthesize but, the voice as well because mm-hmm. we can yep. do we can synthesize voices it's something that um, has a limitless potential to harm um, you yeah. could say that there's limitless potential to, you know, help as well. But we just know that there's a lot of bad actors in the world, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's yeah. It's, un- it's easy to imagine yeah. exactly what they can do with that. Yeah. Um, recently, and I, like I said, I'm trying not to get into, uh, go out into the, far into the weeds here. But there is actually a very recent, if not currently, literally happening um, yeah. meeting right now. I believe in like the Netherlands or someplace in mm-hmm. Europe yep. where they are actually doing a forum on essentially AI mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what it's like limitations need to be mm-hmm. and its applications must, must be in this be, current time. And how we're going to codify that in law. Uh, Con- not considering only that in the nobody, European... ha- yeah, there's no, there's no global law. No, right? no. 
Right. But it's like, how are we going to do that in the in the European Union, yes. for example? And exactly. how is that? How are those laws going to then be replicated? Yeah, in it's going to set a precedent for sure. Yes. How are they going to enforce them? Well, it's sort of like the that's UN, always a difficult thing. Yeah. It'll be like the UN and other governmental bodies where they can sanction, they could make recommendations. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. no one uh, government has ruling power over another ruling government. Um, so it's 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 very interesting. Like I don't, I could probably spend a whole episode just talking about the ramifications. Talking about I it, think yeah. it's so cool. But, but there's also a lot so of it is dark. yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of it that um, has this magical side of appealing to science fiction, and then there's yes. there's yeah, this really horribly emerging Black Mirror side of things. Yes. Yeah. I would definitely. love to, and, and you know, tying back into what we were talking about earlier, I would love to see the video game, the, and it's going to be like cyberpunk esque video game that really taps into like deep faking as part of its yeah. storytelling. Yeah. I've got it. I've got the solution to AI. <laughs> okay. So, what we do, what anybody can do, is we use the AI. To replicate the art style, the storytelling, and the voice of currently copyrighted Disney properties. Oh, uh, get we shut let the down mouse get them. Yeah. We let the mouse do the work. AI will become globally verboten. Uh, thanks to the mouse. We, let the we mouse, need to weaponize mouse. We let the mouse yeah. be the bouncer. And the, and the, mouse, yeah, and the mouse gets the copyright too, so they can protect the copyright five ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It'll never expire. Weaponize the mouse. So, or Nintendo. Or Nintendo. Yeah, both. or Nintendo. <laughs> Maybe both. The mouse has more power. Maybe the that's the Avengers right Alliance. Now. Maybe that's the Avengers of, of international copyright. Before, before we move on to the next topic, though, I'm just going to tell a really quick story. Uh, I gave an interview a year ago, and uh-huh. while interviewing for a senior developer, the the guy over Zoom was very clearly Googling for answers on a screen next to the one we were talking to him from while we were asking him questions, and it was very clear that's what he was doing. Very, very obvious. We cut that interview very short. There is an instance now of ChatGPT convincingly passing a senior developer's interview yep yeah chat gpt can write code and it can answer mathematical questions and it can it can tell you all of the you know developers best practices it has all this access to google you don't even need a person on a zoom call with you to have this interview anymore you can just replace it with a chat gpt it's terrifying which is terrifying NVIDIA also has a tool now to make it so that you're always looking at your webcam. It AI overwrites your eyes to make it look at the webcam. That's terrifying. What if I don't have eyes? Well, then you're good to go. Excellent. (laughs) Nobody can tell you're looking at the second screen. Yeah. What if you have a chainsaw for a forehead? True. If you have a chainsaw for a forehead, I think you have other issues. Uh, I've to always deal had with, other, other than an, a job interview. <laughs> I've always had other issues. I don't even need I think, a chainsaw in my head. I think if you have a chainsaw on your head, your job is probably 
killing demons. Uh, just like and you deserve Man. some boba for that. You do. After a hard day's work, uh, you need some boba. And um, I'm an avid boba tea enjoyer. I love As boba. I've loved boba my mm-hmm. whole life. Um, I would like to thank like Taiwan, Hong Kong, um, uh, and even Vietnam for their niche tea and coffee cultures uh, and how they have uh, created boba phenomenon. and coffee cafes like this whole phenomenon because it's amazing it is a cultural experience that i feel very overjoyed to get to participate in especially here in calgary it's kind of unique and amazing how many like different boba shops both of like big international brands and also like small local mm-hmm. shops are here um because it means that like when some of them do things like collabs I actually get to like experience it, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and so earlier this month I had seen that Crunchyroll, um, in in part of how they are promoting the Chainsaw Man anime, which uh, aired at the beginning of was airing at the beginning of this year, um, they did a collaboration with uh, the bubble tea shop The Alley, uh, which has I think two locations, two or three locations here in Calgary. Um, they're they're doing a collab, I believe, till the end of the month uh, with Chainsaw Man. It's a Chainsaw Man bubble tea collab, which I was like, that's super cool. And so we were out and about yesterday and I had forgotten that there's an alley location in Chinook. Oh, Center that's in right. That's new. And so we went in there and I had completely forgotten about this. I knew about the collab and I knew that I wanted to go like try the collab, but I just forgot about it for mm. the whole month. And we walked in and they had the two giant paper standees of Aki and Power. And I was like, I forgot about this. And I was really excited. And so you go up and the staff, this is my favorite thing about some of the bubble tea cafe shops is like a lot of the little promotional stuff sometimes will be like very personalized and unique to the cafe employees. And so clearly one of the cafe employees um, at that location is very artistically gifted because they had drawn all the Chainsaw Man characters on these little sticky notes that they had stuck by the register Aww. that you could come look at, which was super so cute. cute. And then in addition to that, they had a little poster board that explains like the collaboration menu items. Um, and also uh, they had like the third volume of the manga out mm. on display uh, to show off uh, that, that, that some of the merchandise was there. And then there was a little board to talk about um, the merchandise with the collab. So that location um, was out of the the merchandise that they were were giving away was you get a random sticker sheet, um, you get a little cup holder, paper cup holder, and a paper straw holder. Um, They were out of the cup holders and the straw holders, but they had the sticker sheets, which is fine by me. And this location had two of the collab drinks. Um, One was a, uh, uh, like a passion fruit uh, and orange creamsicle oh, that sounds good. Drink, which was delicious. Um, that's the one that we all got because like, I couldn't say no. Um, the other drink option, which I'm definitely going to go back and try before the collab is over, was a grape yogurt slushy, When is the collab um, over so I can go? Yeah. End, End of, of the, the month. month. End of the month. Damn it. I, see it as, I looked it up. So it's like fresh grape with jasmine green tea. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. With savory snow velvet fresh cream. Mm. And the other yeah. is fresh orange with peach oolong topped with orange whipped cream. Mm. It's yeah. a lot of it was, That is a lot of dairy. Yes, it was. Yes. They both have a lot of dairy in them. 
Um, I don't know if you can get them with substitutions we'll at all. Um, I never thought to we'll ask. See. You probably can. Um, but yeah, so we were really excited. We got to have the drinks. They were delicious. And then um, the, what was really nice is rather than giving out the random sticker sheets, the employees were really nice and just showed what the two sticker sheets were and let, let us choose which one we oh, yeah. wanted, I see. which was really cute. And they're really cute. There's It's a sticker sheet with, with four, like the, the only difference between the sticker sheets is which characters are on them. Um, so uh, I went for the one with Chainsaw Man, Makima, uh Himeno and Himeno Kobeni. And, and Kobeni and then the, each of the sticker sheets has a little chainsaw man logo sticker mm-hmm. and a little um the alley which is the boba tea place sticker and mm-hmm. it was so cute it was so much fun it was like it it's it's kind of nice um to to see like little collab events like that because I remember when I was a baby like I dreamed of things like like collab events at my favorite stores um like stuff like you know I got, you know, I was lucky when the Hot Topic opened up in Chinook oh, Center gosh. and they started carrying anime. Yeah. I'm so happy that I was, like, I'm too old for the Hot Topic. Because if yeah. Hot Topic had opened up when I was 12 to 16, it would have been over. 12 to 16? Yeah. Those very specific ages? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that, so. that is when, that's like I the think that's when hype. Hot Topic had, I don't know. I was actually 16. I was 16 the first time I stepped into a Hot Topic. It was the one in Great Lakes Crossing in uh, in Mm. Michigan. And I walked out with an FLCL t-shirt and I was so Yeah, it's a special experience. And so I remember like being a little baby weeb and I wanted to like, I remember seeing like, you know, in Japan or like across Asia, especially in East Asia, you'll get like pop-up cafes or little pop-up events um, across like, and nowadays you'll see them anywhere, not really. even just anywhere in the world, like not Japan. just in Asia, you'll but see Japan's pop-up like still events. Super, super popular as a, as a advertising and promotional medium. So mm. definitely majorly them but you will like you know you can go to like major cities like toronto or new york or los angeles and you'll see like little pop-up events with various anime or various like distributors versus you know when i was a wee baby weeb um those things did not come to canada yeah so i was very happy to get to participate but secretly in my heart i was really happy because there were lots of um so we got in and i think we just picked the perfect timing because we got into the the shop and we're ready to make our orders and also we wanted to take pictures of the standees um like the big because they're like life-size like human size yeah i wanted to just grab the power standee and run yeah i was like i want to take these home but i can't that's a fantastic photo op for one of my instax cameras i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and because we because we got in like at the time there was just nobody else in the shop and then right after we were we had done our orders and we were waiting for the baristas to kind of make the drinks just tons and tons of people slowly started coming in and the thing that i noticed is it was mostly teenagers which is great uh, always good to see teenagers out yeah. in the mall um i remember being a teenager out in the mall yep. so you know good <laughs> yep. on y'all for going out and enjoying being enjoying a mall your, rat your was Saturday the funnest the thing that, about being a teenager and I'm glad it's still yeah. a thing. And what was really cool was they were also out here definitely enjoying the Chainsaw Man collab. Yay. Because I was like, I don't think you guys know that I'm a grandma. <laughs> weeb, 
but I know that you're a baby. You're not allowed to say that. Because you, 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 uh, that's true. I know that you guys, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I know, I know that we are the same. And I know that I know we're the same because one of you is wearing a Naruto. Jeez. Like oh geez, that's like in the it's 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 cut like it's 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 color blocked like Naruto's yeah, uniform, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't have any of the branding on it. But I'm like I know, I know those colors. And then these colors one of don't the other run. Ones, one of the other actually no ones wait, those colors a, do run. They ninja yeah. run. They ninja run. They ninja run. <laughs> the other one, one of the other people was like, they clearly like there was a, a, at least one friend group in there. One of them had a, a Chainsaw Man t-shirt. It was a very cool t-shirt. So I was like very happy. I was like, yes, the anime fans get to enjoy the anime collab. I'm like, I'm so glad these things happen out That's here wonderful. now. Anime fans get to slurp boba. That's wonderful. Yeah, I was, I was, it was a really cool thing to see. I was like, oh, I'm happy. This is great. I'm glad. I, it's I, this. This is a little bit, uh, a little bit saffy, but it's why I'm so glad that like Odafest is turning 25 this year. Yeah. Because like, once upon a time, at my first Odafest, I was 13, and I didn't know other people who like really liked anime, and I didn't know how to make friends with people who had who like liked anime or liked I the still video don't games know how that I friends. liked. <laughs> and back then, you know, there wasn't like social media and they didn't we didn't really have pop up events yeah. that had collabs with big partners and big anime titles. So it was kind of like hard to go out and sort of like mingle with other nerds. One thing that's like really cool now is like being a nerd is cool. And so you get to meet and hang out with other nerds and we get to host like big, awesome events where once a year, all the local nerds can come and hang out. Ah, yes. The way to make friends is to steal the standee and whoever blocks security is your number. <laughs> True. Speaking of um, friends and media and just kind of sharing all that. So uh, last week I wasn't on the podcast because I was under the weather. Um, I haven't missed a podcast in a long time, but as it turned out, I ended up on another podcast. Actually, <laughs> I'm not a traitor. This is uh, you can you can take Jay out podcast. of the podcast, but you can't take the podcast it's out of Jay. Exactly. It was yeah, a collab. It was a collab. Yeah. So I was invited onto uh, the Cax Bar podcast, which is just starting up. Um, they're a podcast that it will be operating out of a bar that is opening up downtown in the Up Ten Building. And it's uh, hosted by uh, a good friend and family member of mine, in a sense, uh, yeah. Sean Chan, which who is the younger, the youngest brother, I should say, of Jenny Chan, who is uh, Od- <laughs> who is Odafest's chairperson and someone yeah. who is Oda family to us. So. Um, Would they block security as we run away with the standee? I think so. Oh, you could absolutely count on Sean to do absolutely. that. Absolutely. Sean would definitely do that. <laughs> a true knockup. Yes, truly. But, um, you can count we got on to him. Ta- we, got to talk, we got to talk about uh, a lot of nerdy stuff. Uh, their podcast is a little less family friendly, so we could talk about a lot of stuff. But we talked uh, basically all sorts of fandom, all sorts of uh, 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 anime and video game goodness. And, and a little bit of deep Odafest lore. A little, a little deep Odafest lore that you wouldn't normally catch on our podcast, just because, uh, you know, we have s- different interests, shall we say? Different, but yeah, indeed. It's super, super fun 
um, just being able to shoot the shit. And we literally talked about every aspect of fandom that I could think of, including sort of how, you know, nerdiness is no longer uncool. That was a, that was a thing yeah. we touched upon. We were just like, you know, once upon a time, it was like you get thrown in a locker, you get wedgied or whatever it was for being the nerd. Now it's just like, oh, you're a nerd? Me too. Yeah. Because we're going to have yeah, a good time. Yeah, me too. What are you a nerd about? Let's Th- find out. There's no better you, time in history. You look like now. you watched Sailor Moon on your lunch break. Yeah, breaks. dang right I and do. I Let's watch together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I I have flown the 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 nerd flag for a long time. I remember, especially when things were be, like were first cool, like Pokemon. We were talking about Pokemon. Pokemon had an uncool phase. Uh, I first got into Pokemon in grade one or two, and then in grades three to I don't know nine probably it was uncool. But it didn't matter to me. I've always been a, pu- a huge Pokemon fan, huge nerd. Didn't matter. Always picked up the games, always played. You know, you kind of have to be into the things that you're into and not, and not let someone else push you around about what you can be into. That's, that's what it takes to be a nerd. And now that Viz has released yeah. a whole bunch of their library on YouTube, you can go and watch anime on your lunch breaks with your fellow nerds. Yes, indeed. I saw that. I think I don't know if it's out in Canada yet. I think it's mostly a U.S. thing, or unless you might have to VPN into it. Mm. But uh, yeah, Viz just released like all of Inuyasha, for example, is on YouTube now. Oh my god! Yeah, in, an in old sub classic form, in sub. Form. Ooh, like that you can watch uh, ahead of watching the newer Inuyasha series, Yashahime. Oh yeah, I still haven't gotten into that. I wonder if I should. I haven't either. I haven't either. It's but... okay. I started watching it. It is. It feels like a like a, a shojo anime, like a young shojo anime, mm-hmm. where and that's okay. Like that's what Inuyasha fine. kind of was. It mm-hmm. is what you should expect it to be. I just as even though I was excited for it, it I realized while I was watching it that I no longer had skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, Inuyasha, it was no longer your thing. The way that I describe Inuyasha is back in the day, and by in the day I mean the nineties. Ahem. <laughs> Inuyasha. There were two Inuyasha anime. is baby's first isekai. Ah. Absolutely. I, I will 100% defend that. Yes. Yeah. There were other... I'm not saying that there weren't other isekai anime. But Inuyasha... But that, was, that was the first big one. That was the first big isekai that, uh, you know, without, you know, without Inuyasha, you don't have Truck-kun. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Gotta go back steps. to the pre isekai days. Inuyasha, ru- uh, Inuyasha walked so everything else yeah. could run. So was... it could change the world. Uh huh. Was Jay, was Jay being on the Cax Bar podcast, a sort of isekai in and of yes. itself? Yes. Oh Except God. now what? he's been returned back to his I his home plane. This is disgusting. <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> Isn't that how they always have to go? I got so sick, I was magically transported to another podcast. It's true. I got slightly anemic, and and I woke up in another world, on another podcast, Mm -hmm. with another host. It was wild. Listen to Caxbar Podcast. 
while you wait for next week's episode mm-hmm. of the Oda Fest. Totally podcast. not generated exactly. by OpenGPT. Definitely nope. not. Not yet, anyways. Nope. Or True. is it? Oh. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.